Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Morning Church, I hope you've had a, a great week and last week was like neat whiskey but I want to encourage you to keep going back to what the Bible says, test everything with what the Bible says, be like the Bereans of Acts chapter 17, they kept going back to the scriptures to see if what the Apostle Paul was saying was true and have a look at these things and, and last week you know the kind of the uh, sequence of events is very clear in Revelation 19, 20, 21 and 22. And so I want to see as many people there on the new heaven and the new earth. I spend my life, this is my life, my life's devotion, my career, whatever, my ministry, whatever you want to call it. This is what me and Shelley have given our lives to, to helping ordinary people find out about Jesus, the real Jesus, not the stained glass Jesus, not the corrupted Jesus, but the real Jesus of the Bible and uh, the four Gospels. And we want to speak in a way that Jesus steps out of the scriptures and into your heart, becomes so real to you. This week, I'm finishing uh, this series. Hopefully, it's stirred up lots of questions. Hopefully, it's put you on the edge of your seat. Hopefully, it's made you question your faith because that's important. I don't want us to be sloppy. I want to, be, uh, I want to grow a church that's sharp. And if you're a visitor listening in, please, you know, please ask questions. Don't let, don't walk away with questions unanswered. Come and find out why, because in finding out, you may find eternal life. It's the most important thing in the world, the most important thing. More than getting a, a partner in life, or a career, or making money, or having a successful family, the most important thing in life is knowing God, the God of our, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one God, we know that. But they can't all be right. Everybody claims that their God is right. That's why we say, search the scriptures like the Bereans. Prove that everything we say comes out of the scriptures. Now then, today's talk, I'm wanting to look at how should we live in the light of Jesus' second coming? How should we be? Well, last week we finished off by looking at the judgment. Uh, you know, the books were opened and people were judged according to what they had done. And it can sound like you have to do certain things to get into heaven. But you're not saved. We are not saved by good works. We are saved by what Jesus did at the cross. And when Jesus takes our sin and gives us his righteousness, it transforms us. And so we're not saved by good works. We are saved to good works. We become like Jesus. And the Bible says about Jesus, he went around doing good. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so there's a way to, to live. There's a right way to live. And so, you know, when the books were opened, we're judged on what we've done. And, and what you do often is a motivation of who you are. It's an outward expression of who you are. And we can all do good works. We can all, but we're not saved by good works. Let me just be clear on that. And I'm glad that Jesus is the one on the white throne, on the great white throne, Revelation 20, verse 11. Because human beings will be judged by a human being. God has delegated the function of judge to one of us, Jesus, who became flesh, the word became flesh. 
Acts chapter 17 verse 31 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has proven this by raising him from the dead on the third day. It will be Jesus sat on the great white throne. And the Apostle Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Jesus' dual nature, you remember that song? Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity. Deity being, meaning his godness. It's like his dual nature enables Jesus to apply perfect justice. His humanity gives him understanding into our outer world. He's lived amongst us. He knows the conditions. But his divinity gives him knowledge of our inner world. He knows our motives. Because we can do good work sometimes. We can do good things. We can, we can say great things. We can say the right things. But Jesus knows the motivation and the intention of our hearts. Books are opened and they will record our words, our thoughts and our actions. And those books will be opened on that day, Revelation 2012. No one will escape the guilty verdict. No one. And the sentence is a living death in a place called hell. And that's why we preach the gospel, because when you believe the gospel, you are saved from this. But if you don't hear the gospel and you don't listen, or if you do listen and you reject it, I should say, then the sentence is a living death in a place called hell, separated from God and all that is good, shut out of the new heaven and the new earth. But worse than that, shut in with the devil and the demons and all who share their anger at the creator, tormented body and soul. We all, you know, everybody will get a new body, an eternal body. And that's why those who haven't believed, they will be tormented night and day in the new body and in their soul. It will last forever. Day and night, forever and ever in the lake of fire. Revelation 14, 11, Revelation 20, verse 10 tell us that. It's no wonder Jesus spoke with horror of such a fate. He warned his disciples of the danger. And he was willing to sacrifice himself to save them from it. He warned his disciples to flee from the coming judgment. And he says, only those who remain faithful to the end will be saved. He even said, when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find faith? And, and so he's warning his disciples, his disciples, that they could end up there. And nobody ever tells you that. You look at every instance in the Bible. Virtually, I think there's only one that's questionable. But every instance where Jesus is talking about hell, he's addressing his disciples. And so you can figure now that I'm not, I'm not a, a once saved, always saved kind of person. People say, can you lose your salvation? And I think, no, 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 nobody loses their salvation. They walk away from it. And when you walk away from Jesus, you walk away from life itself. Maybe today you're listening and you've walked away and you know you have. And I'm saying... Come back. Don't, you know, it's like somebody walking off the edge of a cliff. I'm like shouting, don't go any further. Don't go, you will fall off the edge. I want to encourage people, strongly encourage people to move away from the edge and come back, come back into the faith. Nothing 
is worth that, the outcome that Jesus talked about, about hell. So can we, is there any hope for people who have never been brought up in church, who have never heard about Jesus? Is there any hope? The answer is yes. It's the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. And that's why we take the gospel out to them that have never heard. That's why I don't really get involved in church politics and wider church stuff, because I'm thinking we're okay. I'm, I'm thinking about them that are not okay. We found the gospel, or the gospels found us. We've got on the right path. Now we've got to help as many other people get on the right path. So is there a way that we can escape judgment? Yes, there is. And in Jonah, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, Jonah, you know, Jonah was swallowed by the whale, the big fish, it doesn't say a whale, a big fish, and he was in the belly of the whale for three days, and then eventually the fish spewed him out. But he was in rebellion to God. God told him to go to Nineveh, and he was going to Spain. Not a bad choice, but when God tells you to go to Nineveh, you've got to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh were full of people that were, they, they were brutal as a people. And they took over other nations. They were awful in what they did when they captured people, the torture and things, that how they, how they killed people. Was, I don't want to go into it at this point. But anyway, it says that the Ninevites repented, that God was going to bring judgment. And he sent Jonah to say, repent, change your ways. Or God is going to bring judgment upon your nation. And you know what? These horrible people did. They changed. And they called a fast. And it was like unbelievable. They put on sackcloth, like itchy stuff. And they listened to Jonah's preaching and they went, all right, we don't want to get judged. And these were tough, horrible people. And God didn't bring judgment. In fact, let me just give you a reading here. Because he says this. In Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 it says those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs or the forgiveness that could be theirs, the eternal life because they hold on to worthless idols and then when they turned from their sins and they called a fast they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least it says right right at the the end of the chapter, chapter 3 it says when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. That's incredible. Yeah, there is hope. Because even in 1 Thessalonians, Paul alludes to this, this happening with Jonah and the, the Ninevites. He said they turned to God from idols to serve the living God and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, who, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who now, rescues us and he used that as a picture did the apostle paul he said they turned from idols they hadn't even heard the gospel the gospel hadn't happened at that point but they they heard the message change your ways because god's going to judge you and they obeyed what the prophet told them and paul was saying they turned from idols to god to serve the true and living god we don't believe in god we believe in a living god who acts and gets involved in our lives he hears our prayers and he answers us. He comes close to us in times of trouble. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he walks through it with us and he takes us right through to the other side. So we wait for his son from heaven. How do we wait for Jesus returning? Matthew 25. Jesus, and it's Jesus that says this. Actually, let me start at 24. He says this, Therefore, keep watch. 
because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in the household to give them the food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing, doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. That good master. Who is that? That The faithful and wise master. He's the one that looks after everybody under his care. And then he contrasts it and he says, but suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's the place that Jesus describes as hell. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping, sad because you missed your opportunity. Depressed, low, just weeping. And gnashing of teeth where there's ripples rising up in you of anger and rebellion against God saying, I hate you, God. And he said, that's the torment that will be, the mental anguish that will be going on day and night and day and night. I don't, I'm not here to try and scare people, but as I read this from the scriptures, it terrifies me and it should because it's terrifying. But there is a, I always bring hope. There's a, there is a way out and a way through. And, you know, believing, believing in Jesus, but, but it's not just believing in him, it's go on believing in him. So anyway, let's get to so verse 25. Jesus tells three parables here. And he says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in their jars. It took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, both you and me. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So Jesus is telling the stories, stories that they can all get. And he's saying, be ready. Another one he says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. That's a lot of money. To, to another he gave two talents of money, according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents 
went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two, he gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned. After a, a long time, the master returned. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I wonder what you'll get in the new heaven and the new earth. wonder what I'll get. We've got to be faithful in the small things, yeah? The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. These two men brought happiness to the master. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. What a nasty thing to say. I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banks so that when I returned with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take this talent from him. And give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given even more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless. Can you hear these words of Jesus? Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Third parable. I know it's neat whiskey. Go with me on this. Because it's really important. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. Not in heaven, but in heavenly glory. He'll be in Jerusalem. Can you see he's about to reign for a thousand years? All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was a youth on the street and you did youth work. I was a child in Sunday school and you did Sunday school work. I was an old age pensioner. And you came and you could be bothered to spend some time with me. I was a refugee. And you made me feel welcome in your town and in your city. I was a black man. And you honoured me. You didn't despise me. Gosh, we have so much to live and learn. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we, when did we see you sick or in prison and, and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the one of the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You see, the righteous were doing it. They didn't realise that behind the scenes, Jesus was there watching and being part of it. Their faith had caused them to do good works. Can you see? But they hadn't related it. They just thought, no, this is what you should do. This is just normal. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I was I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And you know, I know so many people, so many Christians who have said yes to Jesus when it comes to their salvation and no to Jesus when it comes to serving a broken world. And they just want, they want all the good stuff for themselves, but do not give a toss about anybody else. And I want to say clearly today, right the way through Global Church and into any other church, I want to say that is not Christianity. That's just selfishness that will be repaired with what selfishness gets repaired with. It will be rewarded how selfishness gets rewarded. You cannot live like this world and live like you're so superior because, well, I've got Jesus, but you're cheating, you're lazy, you're wicked like the man, like, like, like Jesus said about in that parable. He, he called it not just laziness, he called it wickedness. So I want to challenge you as a church. I want to say next time a leader in the church asks you to do something, consider these things. He said, that's manipulation. No, it's not. Consider these things. We serve God. And, you know, if people come and they've got mixed motives in getting us involved in this, that and the other, you know what? God has a way of shaking things up and leading us back out if we're in the wrong place. Don't worry. The Bible says, do everything as unto the Lord. I'm serving the Lord here. Yeah. So what hope is there? I'll tell you very quickly what hope there is for everybody on planet Earth to escape this awful, awful judgment day. Here it is. If they repent of our sins, repentance just means to turn around, do 180. You're going in one direction, but you're going in a, a different direction. And repent of your sins towards God, because it's God that you've broken his laws. It's his love that you've turned your back on. And that way we find forgiveness when we repent of our sins. Believe that Jesus died and rose again for you, not just for the whole world, but for you and for your sins. When I was 19, led in an hospital bed, having an had a seizure because of me drinking, 
and you know many lads and many girls some of my girlfriends were there you know I felt so guilty because of my lifestyle and it wasn't long after that that I repented towards God I said you know what I have I have broken your laws so much and I need your forgiveness and I believe that Jesus is my saviour I believe he's the only one I'm not good enough for heaven he's the only one that can clean me up and I believed in Jesus and my life changed then I got baptised in water by full immersion because water is a baptism and a bath it's a bath for the washing away of your sins and this is what scripture says right washing away of your sins it's like a bath and it's like a burial well it's not like a bath and a burial it is a bath and a burial when you get baptised your sins will be washed away when you get when you get baptised your old life is buried with uh, 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 it, sorry, it's, it's died and buried with Christ and you come up to a new life in Christ the resurrection with resurrection power you receive the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit brings you assurance that you're forgiven and you're right with God but he gives you power to change not just confessed sins and cancelled sins but able to conquer sins and a fresh there's a fresh power comes into you, the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and you overcome your old sinful nature. It might take a while, but eventually you will overcome. So this is how we should live. When, uh, you know, if you want to escape the judgment, this is it. Repent of your sins, believe in Jesus, get baptised, go all in. Get baptised in water and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's personal faith. Number two, personal holiness. There are two things needed for heaven. Forgiveness is one, but holiness is the other. And you can't get into heaven unless you've got both of them. And both of them are a gift to be received. 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 John 2.28. In other words, it's possible to have sins conquered as well as cancelled. And I want to say, you know, Mary Magdalene, the first woman at the tomb of Jesus. Jesus had driven seven demons out of her, I think it was. She'd had a life, we don't know what it was. You know, people assume it's a prostitute, but she'd had some sort of life that caused demons to live in her. And Jesus freed her and freed her mind. And you know, when she recognised Jesus, she thought he was the gardener. When she recognised it was him, because he called her by name, she held on to him. She weren't letting him go. He said, Mary, let go. He had to say to her, let go. What was going on there? Well, Mary Magdalene knew that while Jesus was alive, she could be free from all that. And when he'd gone, she panicked. She's thinking, I'm going to go back to my old ways. I'm, those things will come back into my life. All habits will grow again. And Jesus was teaching her, no, I'm going to move away. But the Holy Spirit is going to be like, I am with you. But instead of just being on the outside, he'll move onto the inside. And he'll give you power over temptation. He will protect you from evil spirits. Absolutely awesome, beautiful story. But the New New Testament talks about a church being like a bride, waiting to be married to the groom when he arrives. It talks in terms of the bride that she was, the complexion was radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless, Ephesians 5.27. And clothed for the wedding of the Lamb. Clothed, sorry, for the wedding of the Lamb had come. And his bride had made herself ready. 
And you know, God does some things and we have to do others. We have to, the language in the New Testament is cooperation. It's not that God does everything for us, he doesn't. And it's not that we have to do everything for ourselves. No, he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, that work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you both to will and to do. So God works it in and we work it out. Yeah, and we can only work out what God's worked in. And, you know, when you're a new Christian, you want to be further on than what you are. But, you know, you can only work out what God's worked in. But there's a desire and a hunger to be to grow and to be like Jesus. That's all in us. We need to work as a church. And we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We are same, same, but different from this world. And, you know, we there's, there's, there's parts of church life. When you become a Christian and you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you think, I want to clean some of this. I want to change some of the practices in church because they're not good. Um, and, but also we need to meet as church. Too many people are individuals, especially now we've got everything online and people can just live as individuals. We're never meant to live as individuals. We're meant to live together. The Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see that day approaching. We're here for mutual help as well as moral support. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. I've got to come to an end. Last of all, I want to say global evangelism. Evangelism that goes round the globe. It has rightly been said that the church is the only society on earth that exists primarily for the sake of its non-members. And all the four Gospels end with the Great Commission to take the Gospel to every nation. And I want to finish with this. Those who are most ready for the return of Jesus will do the most to get others ready. Those who are the most ready for the return of Jesus will do the most to get others ready. And we, I want Global to be like the four friends who carried the paralytic uh, to Jesus. And they, had to, they couldn't get him because of the crowd, so they climbed up on the roof, met a hole in the roof and lowered him down. And Jesus forgave his sins and healed him totally. And the man walked out a new creation because he had four faithful friends who didn't just think about their own salvation and their own getting into heaven. They went and found another and brought him to Jesus. Who are you bringing to Jesus who are you bringing in this lockdown? Who are you telling? This is not, I'm not whipping people. I'm saying when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you will know because he wants to reach other people. Global evangelism. Thank you for listening. Do ask questions and uh, I'll see you next week. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 